I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. No such thing as a media ban. We don't have a media ban. Yeah, you do. No, we don't. A donkey eat and a donkey eat a palace. <laughs> There's nothing else to he was massive. Legs, ass, belt. But I burst out laughing. So two brilliant games at the weekend. Um, obviously, the first one was brilliant performance by Waterford and then a brilliant comeback um, by Galway. And the second one, I think, Paul, was real championship stuff. It really felt like this was, you know, the, the crowd really got into it. Mm. I think the battle between Tony Kelly and uh, O'Leary, uh, Sean O'Leary just encapsulated the whole kind of game. Jeez, they tore into each other and yeah. it's not often you see Kelly after a point. Once he gave O'Leary a good shoulder after it and the second time he gave him a kind of a smart Gaelic tap on the back and yeah, yeah. just up for it and just great to see nothing yeah. kind of malicious in any of this no. from O'Leary or Kelly. It's just a right good old battle. Yeah, yeah. And it was clear what O'Leary his job was to go out and they was really stick and he did, in fairness to him you know he was sticking to him really well in the first 15 minutes you know Tony Kelly wasn't really dominating by any means compared to what we've seen with Tony Kelly but um, it got fiery then like you said it got fiery and there was a few incidents even in the first half but I think particularly in the second half where you know Tony Kelly being Tony Kelly regardless sometimes when he does stuff you can't stop him but he turned around to O'Leary and kind of said nearly like what do you think of that yeah, or, yeah. Do you know you don't but see was, that much in Hurling because that's what I was tweeting no. about this O'Leary must be dogging him off the ball mm. like I wasn't I wouldn't even mean that in a bad way like no, he's, he's no. trying to stop Tony Kelly but whoever yeah. he was doing he was getting under Tony's skin now yeah. whatever he was doing he should have stopped it because just like it wound Tony up yeah, a little bit yeah. too. and I'd say the majority of what he was doing was just mounting at Tony Kelly and again I wouldn't say that in a malicious way I'd say he was just sit, telling him you know called for this ball or a had you there or whatever yeah, it yeah. was it didn't seem to be too malicious because again like there's so many cameras on the pitch if he was doing anything that was you know unsavoury or anything it would have been picked up but it wasn't like you know and it was great to see even the response of Tony Kelly like you know what else do we expect from him that he just turned around great points and he seemed sharp and upward it completely didn't put him off like you said probably did the complete opposite that you'd nearly be going into Tony Kelly being friendly to him if, that, if that's the response he <laughs> well, gave 
Yeah, on that evidence, yeah. yeah, yeah. I <laughs> yeah. don't think anyone's going to be doing it again. There's no, no doubt. What about the point he scored from the fresh air from Tim O'Matney? Like it reminded yeah. me of the first tee box when loads of people are, are queuing up mm. to, to tee off. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure on that tee shot, and I've often done that. Like I mean, yeah, did he yeah. actually t- touch the ball, or did the did the wind of the hurl missing it make yeah. it move? I don't know. I don't think anyone could know what happens. Um, like again, he was so close to the ball; could have been the wind, but the ball moved. Bottom the ball line, did the ball move. Moved. So it's hard for a referee to decide there yeah. what happened. But what was great about that was Tony Kelly just said, "I'll play this ball, and if if he blows it up, he blows it up." But if you saw the Cork players, Cork players kind of hope that if we don't move. Hopefully the referee will go, no, he didn't touch the ball. Yeah. Whereas you'd be going to your players, look, lads, play it. And if the referee blows it, and they got a simple point off the back of it. So Tony Kelly's attitude there to just go, right, I'm just going to play this ball. And if the referee brings it back, he brings it back. But yeah. if I get the point as they did, whereas the Wexford, or sorry, the Cork players kind of went, oh, hopefully now and hope for the best. And they could have got to Tony Kelly, but yeah. they didn't. Tim O'Matney you know? didn't even go near him. Tim O'Matney no. stayed just giving out to the, the linesman. Yeah, which I was silly. Like, like, I mean, you know. yeah, yeah. How long are you told from underage you play the whistle and yeah. you wait and you, you, you don't just stop yourself expecting the whistle to go? Like no, it's unusual no. to see them not even try. No, not even try. And even after one or two seconds where you could see the referee was saying play on, I mean, give it, if you're going to give it one or two seconds, fine. But once you see Tony Kelly rising the ball, I mean, it's plain to see the referee isn't going to blow the whistle, chase him, try and hook him, but don't be giving out to the linesman and the yeah. referee. Because again, what are they meant to do? The ball looked like it moved. So what can they do? Do you know? So yeah. if it's going to be played, like you said, play the whistle, don't be playing, expecting a simple kind of, okay, take the sideline again. It, it, am I going to be, are you going to give out to me here now when I say, how did Tony Kelly miss that last one? Yeah. That is bread and butter. It like, is, it? yeah. So couldn't yeah. that have been just the most unbelievable performance that if he'd gotten that, he won the penalty himself, mm. he drove them back into it, like some mm. of the points were out of this world as usual. Yeah. Like, you know, how did he miss that? He was straight yeah. through in goal. Uh, the way I looked at it was that only for his heroics in the rest of the game, that didn't matter. Like that yeah. goal chance didn't matter. But yeah, right. But I think Tony Kelly, when I saw his response, what I was thinking at that time was that Tony is disappointed in, not that he didn't score, but that he didn't give it a chance, that he just struck it at Patrick Collins. Because it was those ones that you give out to forwards, you know. Like we played a match the weekend at the club and we had two goal chances and they struck him kind of body height at the keeper and you're going, if you're to do anything, you know, go aim for your top corner if you're going to do it or strike it into the ground, but don't strike it body height where if the keeper doesn't move, it just hits him. So I'd say Tony's response and it looked like that that's what his response was of disappointment. Not that he didn't score, but the fact he just didn't give it a chance. Yeah. It wasn't an incredible save. If he Fair goes play, down there, it's a goal. If he goes yeah, for the floor. That's it. If he goes down, or at least if he, we saw the other goals, they're all struck high into the net, you know, um, even in the Watford match as well. So you're kind of thinking, that's what Tony would have been disappointed about. He didn't give it a chance, which you're saying, if you're going to do anything, if a great save comes out of it from, from Patrick Collins, fine, but at least give it a chance. And I'd say that's what was, what Tony was disappointed about. Again, though, I'd bring it back to only for his heroics in the match, Clare wouldn't have been in that position. Yeah. So I wouldn't be looking at it from, you know, what if. I mean, he scored some incredible stuff. It's just a pity that the what appeared to be the easiest one was the one he left behind. Yeah, yeah. it's hard to be critical, but like, I mean, it's just so surprising and that mm. would have been some finish to the game. It really, yeah. it really would. Absolutely incredible. But like, I mean, he scored just, he scored a brilliant penalty just before that. Yeah. Like, which he won himself. Camera was a bit away from it. Probably looked maybe slightly soft penalty. Would it have been? Yeah, it could have been. Um, I, I don't think there was many arguments with it either. You know, he won a great ball turned and it's a dangerous position for a defender to be in. Like, you nearly... To guarantee yourself not giving away a penalty, you nearly have to stand off him. But what do you do if you stand off him? You yeah, know? So yeah. I don't think there was much arguments with it. And as well, because there was no other players really around it, 
uh, and know, it looked consolation too so Cork weren't going to give out about it true you know? yeah I mean what they were down by was it, was it six points at that stage they were down so it looked kind of like a consolation you weren't expecting you know Clare to come back into it at that stage but at the same time you know he caught the ball he turned he was impeded a small bit and he hit the ground so I mean it's I don't think there's much arguments with it either right okay and it was a brilliant finish I'm talking about hitting the ball into the ground you don't want to do it like Seamus Harden he did it he just kind of smashed it into the ground took all the speed off it and he just <laughs> it yeah it just popped hand. up yeah yeah you don't yeah. often see that do you no no I think I think there was a small bit of a hook on that though oh like, was there yeah I was looking that at it because sense. again I remember the commentator did say it at the time that you know he just he went he did all the hard work but then he just knocked it into the ground but I think there was the clear defender just got a little bit of a flick into it right. and unfortunately for Seamus Harnedy it looks like he scuffed the shot then <laughs> which he didn't what do you make of Cork coming out late onto the pitch right so it's a mm. sweltering hot day yeah. and you know the the, the they missed the national anthem mm. so Kieran Kingston said afterwards he said our, cluck, our clocks must have been wrong because we thought we were three minutes early and that's being honest mm. and we're trying to keep out of the sun for a while and we're, we were coming on as it was being played yeah I wouldn't. I wouldn't disbelieve Kieran Kingston. Like I don't think he's a liar. No. But, like I mean, staying out of the sun that long would that have made yeah. it such a big deal? Uh, I. I. I'd, I. I think this was a genuine mistake. Yeah, because like again, we we hurled a match with the club yesterday around two o'clock, and any chance I got to stand in the dugout when you're warming up and you just got this a minute or two to take a bit of water. You know, the lads were piled into the dugout in a bit of shade because it was sapping, and you'd be quite right. conscious of it. And I. I'd understand. You know, especially players are nervous, and you know they've travelled up on a bus, and you're trying to make. Sure sure every little bit you can to give him a small bit of, an, bit of an edge and I think being out in the sun a small bit because it was exceptional over the weekend the sun was you know a big factor so I do believe that you know there was part of the plan that they would stay in out of the sun get as much out of it as they can keep lads hydrated and just miscalculated I mean they're in and out off the pitch lads players get out have a look at the pitch come back in maybe have a puck around go out then togged out have another look and I say they just misjudged it a small bit with yeah. all. So, and like you said I wouldn't doubt Kieran Kingston I, I think it was a genuine mistake and sure again who, where did they set their watch off? It's just a, they're off by three minutes and sure three minutes just meant they came out a small bit later. Yeah. But I, would, I wouldn't doubt them. I wouldn't say teams need a warm-up at all. Would you have done a warm-up yesterday, for example? A warm-up is nearly counterproductive in that heat, is yeah. it? Yeah, uh, you, do, you do a shortened one. I think anyone, anyone, maybe anyone with a bit of tact would... You know, I saw Kilkenny even um, in the Leinster final. You know, you could see they did a revised warm-up. A shorter, briefer one. Because again, it's not a case that you're physically getting the body warm. It's just you're loosening out and trying to get the ball into hand. And yeah. it's not the traditional thing when people think of a warm-up. You're heating the body up. You don't need yeah, to heat the, the body office, up. Yeah. It's just getting hamstrings going, getting blood to the legs making sure that lads don't suddenly run out because you see like the way Waterford started if you didn't do a warm up and you took off after Caleb Lyons or whoever hamstrings are gone straight away so it's just getting the blood going um, I think teams did a more revised warm up shortened one condensed getting the ball into hand and I think really a lot of it would be getting the nerves out of players getting them poking a few balls and getting them a bit of a run on the pitch but I don't think there was huge warm ups done over the weekend No maybe. no it would be more kind of getting the eye in and stuff yeah, like that yeah. and the little bit of running that goes along with whatever drills you do yeah, with that is yeah, enough absolutely, and, yeah. and a bit of stretch what do you make of the Conor Gleeson red card? Yeah, it was a red card as far as I can see. I think um, so? Yeah, I do think so because it's, well, I, by today's standards, you know, as in it was a silly slap back and, you know, we've. There was it was minimal though, wasn't it? It was it's minimal. almost playful now. Stop that and you, you yeah, puck. it you're was. Trying to block it, my run. It was, but you're, you're playing with fire. That's the thing, you know. I, I don't think it was. there was a huge amount of malice in it I don't think he meant to injure Joe Canning if Joe Canning says standing I say you know it, he's probably not going to get sent off the umpire might have seen it I don't think Joe Canning went down soft though either like you know he catch someone on the hand there with a hurl with a slap you could you could break a finger you could break a bone could you but with the force now they mm. say because like, I don't know how sore that might be for me it just looked like a very very innocuous flick I think yeah. Joe said I th- my opinion on that is Joe set him up 
He tried to block know. him. He got yeah. the he pissed him off. Yeah. And he got a flick and he went down. And yeah. He, he set yeah. him right up. I know what Joe was doing. And I'd, I'd often see forwards have done it to me and I've done it to forwards where they want to make the run. Like, let's say the Galway player went to make the run. So Conor Leeson ran after him. And Joe, being a good forward, was going out there just yeah, to. Yeah. And Joe just put the hurl out. Joe didn't swing the hurl. He just no, put the yeah. hurl out. But Conor Leeson. Like he should have just let his momentum take it through. He shouldn't give him the option of if Joe swung back, or sorry, if, if Conor Leeson swung back, an umpire seen it, a referee seen it. You know, there was no benefit to doing it, but he still did it and he paid the, paid the price. Again, I'd understand if someone said, no, it's not a sending off. You know, I'd yeah. understand that. A yellow card, I think a yellow card would have been fair. In I the, think it would have. And people yeah. wouldn't have argued. But at the same time, when you saw it, we were, we were arguing about Aaron Gillan last weekend as well. That was a stronger flick back there was much more force in that there was a lot more force but it was of the same style he he swung back at him you know and so where do we draw the line then where do we draw a line with oh no that was actually a strong strike if you're swinging back at a player you're playing with fire you know so that was it was just unfortunate for Conor Leeson that's what it was if he got a yellow card I don't think even people would have argued with that either but he put the referee in an awkward position and again if you do that you're risking getting sent off so a red card given the fact that there was needless to do it um I, I kind of say, look, it's fair enough that he got sent off. Right, OK. Sometimes you think, see with this kind of thing that players have... There, there comes a point on a pitch if somebody's trying to mess with you mm. and Canning could have done that two or another couple of times to him. Yeah. And at what point does Gleeson say, here now, you know, yeah. sometimes you have to put manners on a lad and yeah, yeah. there's no other way of doing that if you're not going, you know, than yeah, to yeah, maybe... Yeah. Give the flick. I don't know yeah. on a hurling pitch or mm. like you know. I'm sure there's loads of times that you, you've given or maybe received a, a little boot in a cup. You know, yeah, yeah, put, yeah. and yeah. maybe go. You won't be doing that to me again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there's know, other ways. There's, sending off, there's really? cleverer ways of doing it though. Like I right. mean, if you were running across there, Joe Canning is in the good position of if he puts the hurl out, he's not seen to be doing a whole lot, and he wants Connor Leeson to react. I'd always be saying to lads, he wants "What does he want react. you to do in this yeah, situation?" React. He wants Connor Leeson to react. What I'd often say to lads would be, "Well, if, if, you know." If, not, not often say it to lads, but if lads were saying, you know, a fella's getting me nerved, wait till it's not as obvious. Like, you know, where <laughs> you can, like, let's say there's a ball, high ball coming in and maybe step on his calves a small bit there, step on his heels and, you know, remind him there. But don't swing back at him. Don't do in at the, the moment what he wants you to yeah, do. Yeah. Or, you know, if you're going in and there's a chance where you can win on a hard tackle and hit him a dunt and say it to him then if that's what you want to do, if that's what the plan is. But don't do in the moment what he wants you to do. He, if, if, if Joe's plan was to get a reaction out of him, which I don't think it was either, he got the reaction. And so I'd be saying, look, while umpires are looking and referees are looking, and this isn't to be sounding dirty behind the ball, but if a player is niggling at you and he wants you to react, don't react. But play hard for the next ball and get, you know, you get your then. little dunt in and if that's what you want to do but don't in the moment do what he wants you to yeah. do no I get you Gleeson missed the all in final for against Galway because of a pull wasn't it against yeah. Cork it yeah, was a yeah. silly thing that he did that time yeah and so I'm sure I remember at the time like again sure he got the straight red so he's banned which was unfortunate for them for, for Conor Gleeson again but um Look again, yeah, he'll, he'll learn from it. He's not a dirty player. He's a f- good physical player. It's just unfortunate for him. Now look, thankfully, because Watford went on to win the match, you know, he'll be able to park this and move on and go, okay, no, he's going to miss the next match with a straight red. Yeah. But a- at least he's able to go, look, I didn't cost my team anything here today. Um, and really Galway should have should have capitalised on that. But he should be looking at that going forward. And I know he will because he's a solid fella. He'll look at it and go, look, that's two red cards now where I've missed r- possibly important matches for my yeah. team. You know, 
I need to realise that if a lad is getting my back, I can't let the team suffer by me getting sent off. Yeah, in it, yeah, just like you say, do it, uh, do it, do it at a quieter time. <laughs> <laughs> There's cameras and everyone. There was a bit yeah. of a row then in that game. It started kicking off a little yeah. bit then, and yeah, that's yeah. what Galway probably wanted. Waterford shouldn't have got sucked into it. I think it was Gleeson and Connor Cooney wrestling on the ground, and then yeah. um, Shane Cooney got a yellow mm. card after that. But then Galway got that Gleeson inspirational point straight after all that row, and you go, yeah. Jesus, you know, yeah, like a big then, moment, big for moment, yeah. yeah. And like you said. Waterford Galway probably wanted that Galway were looking for a way to get into the yeah, game yeah. and they were lacking that edge that Waterford seemed to have so sometimes you know teams will do it where they go in and try and start a fight because they pull players yeah. into the match you know and in fairness you know closer to the end it was a bit too late in the match but Galway got that reaction they were looking for found that little bit of a spark but like you said they were looking for it at that time and unfortunately sure Austin Leeson kind of scuffed the sideline and came back to him and he got an inspirational point like so it's it unfortunately backfired a little bit on Galway but um, but it, it upped the temperature then you it know? did up yeah. it did up it and you know they were starting to come into it then and you know you saw okay Shane Cooney but at least he was playing with a bit of fire then as well like you know so um, it, it unfortunately backfired on him but you could see what Galway were trying to do they were trying to pull themselves into the Match. Yeah, that was a yellow as well. I don't think anyone would say that was a red. It was just the two of them were kind of yeah. pulling around at each other or whatever like that. So uh, Joe Canning beat Henry's record, mm-hmm. anyways. Like that was always going to happen. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Horgan joined a five hundred point uh, barrier, and incredibly, Patrick Horgan is the highest points uh, from play mm-hmm. in the champion in championship history. Yeah. And I think right, Joe Canning, Henry Shefflin, Grant, they should have a free taking competition. Patrick Horgan should yeah. be the top point scorer because how can yeah. a player that doesn't take frees compete? for a top scorer with a player that takes threes. Do you get yeah, me? Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, it's not yeah, fair. No, it's Joe and Henry yeah. have that added advantage. Patrick Horgan is the top scorer from play. Yeah. Now, he's obviously on the freeze as well, but do you get yeah. my point? Yeah, there I know should what you be mean, two yeah. separate, I think categories, at the end of every yeah. year there should be two separate categories, no? Well, it's just, yeah, no, I know what you mean, but look, there's no award really going for it. Um, at the end of the day, it's just people's perspective. What you think is a better achievement, really. I mean, people are always, you know, um, look at who's the top scorer and who has the most All-Irelands or who's the most All-Stars. They want to know who is the most of whatever. But what I think is a significant one for Patrick Horgan is from play is a huge achievement. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the sign of a player who consistently has been performing not to say obviously Henry and Joe haven't been but it's a great testament to Patrick Horgan because there's some years there where you know Cork have been knocked out of the championship in quarterfinals and earlier probably more often than Joe Canning and Henry Shefflin were knocked out of championships so for him to be in the position now that he's from play the top scorer that's an enormous achievement yeah. and even the point he got the weekend I mean it was an incredible point off his knees um and you know he's a he's a player that consistently plays for Cork and every so often he kind of reminds us that you know how great he is like he's he's consistently set a standard for himself like TJ and Joe and these lads their standards are so high that you know we nearly forget sometimes how good they are but that itself yeah it's a standalone it's a brilliant achievement that from play that that's 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 he's a top scorer um it just shows and I've marked him many time he's just a player who gets on the plane he does he's not a player who starts mounting at you you no, know he'd be a gentleman considering for a Cork fella like you know <laughs> usually Cork has a talk but no Patrick Horgan comes in just goes about his business great balance about how he plays you know he just has great mindset and he's very um selfless as well with the ball you know he does give off balls to a lot of players so it is great achievement and again probably you know, he he was probably in the shadows of Joe. A lot of tension was on Joe at the weekend passing out Henry. But, you know, I think a lot of credit has to be given to Patrick Corgan for, for surpassing that at the weekend. It's yeah. a great achievement. The the one off his knees was the, the good one. Brian Corcoran, the famous one against mm. Kenny where he went off the knees. And the young leash under 20, James Duggan, yeah. the other day where he, he went down with cramp and yeah. then he got one off the knees. That was a very impressive one yeah. as well. Like, I mean, they're, they're great scores to watch. Just, just on Joe and... Uh, Patrick Horgan is there evidence to suggest that they're on the wane though like I mean yeah. you know in the championship this year 
Joe and Patrick haven't been the same threat. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. it doesn't, they look like Joe's 33 yeah. uh, this year, yeah, you know, yeah, so like, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I'm not saying that they're not very important players still, but th- th- like when you see Tony Kelly, yeah, like, yeah, no, it, like yeah. they've gone way off that kind of level, though. Yes, yeah, it, well, look, it's reasonable to believe that that is the case, and you have to consider, you know, Joe is 33, he's on the road a long time as well, like, and he's had serious injuries over the years, you know, he's torn the hamstring off the bone and he's done savage injuries, so yeah. to expect him to be sprinted around, and especially again, you know, 33 this year. Again, the game has changed. You know, he was on a pitch and he was looking at Caleb Lyons running past him, Jack Prendergast, these lads who are possibly 11 or 12 stones skipping around the pitch, you know, and Joe is a big physical player. Joe would have had to play in generations there, let's say, in the early, um, let's say, 2010 onwards. You, you know, he would have marked Dermot O'Sullivan in these players. Well, just before that, remember the games when yeah, he was yeah, marking. Yeah, but no. now he's competing with players he's marking who are eleven and twelve stone skipping around at midfield, and he's had to adjust his game for that as well. So it's reasonable that a man is thirty three years of age. Maybe again, we could be looking at it because he's not performing well. We look at his age and we say maybe that's the case, but he's still performing really well. And the thing with Joe is that. It was never a case that he relied on his physicality. Of course, he was always a physical, a very fast player. But his hurling, we saw the goal for, for the, you know, the Flynn goal, the Jason Flynn goal. It's his brain that will get him a bye. And, and Joe could play for a few more years if he wants to. Probably because at 14. Because he's the cleverness, you yeah. know, because that's the thing that, yeah, like that, in at 14 or, you know, whatever way he wants to play it, whatever way they want to use him, but get him at the edge of the box because he has the hands, he has the touches and he'll create something, do you know. So, yeah, look, it's reasonable. He's 13 or he's 33. He's had a lot of injuries. Um, and look, maybe an off day, sometimes we might focus a small bit on his age a bit more. He could still be perfectly fine for all we know, you know. Yeah, no, exactly. So Leash stayed up. Um you just saw a package on this last night and then mm. they moved on to previewed next week instead of even mentioning anything about it. You know, yeah. these kind of things get my back up. But look, yeah. it was only it was <laughs> only a le- it was only a league relegation. It yeah. wasn't championship. I'll, yeah. I'll accept all that. That's fine. But like, I mean, I was watching this. It was in a pub. So you're not watching it to the same kind of uh, yeah, yeah. level that you would when, you, when you're at home. Yeah. But like, I mean, you know, took a long time to get this rally going. You're expecting right the man down. I thought the sending off was very harsh, was it? That didn't look like a stamp to me. I thought it was No, it was harsh, to... yeah. On, on, on Craig there for Westmead, it was, um, no, I thought it was harsh, to be honest. Like, he kind of stepped over him. Yeah, like, you know, maybe and, clipped him on the way over. And maybe but... he did clip him, yeah, exactly. And he could have stood on him, but was it intentional? I don't think, he's not yeah. that type of player. I think you know? it might have grazed him and Chad did a bit of a jump, kind yeah. of like he got hurt, which that was nothing. He might have got that was hurt. Nothing. Yeah, it didn't look like a stamp though, did it? No, it wasn't a stamp. It certainly was, like, he might have stepped on him, but like that will happen. We're fighting for a ball on the ground and uh, you know he just stepped over him and he didn't look like he went to stamp on him and he just walked off and I remember he kind of looked back to see he heard a whistle blowing kind of what's going on here it wasn't a red card it was very harsh and they can feel hard done by um, he's not that kind of player and I don't think you know um, you know, the least player wasn't even playing for it either. So it was it, it's tough on Westmead that that, that that happened. Yeah. yeah, I think the ref tried maybe uh compensate for that then. He gave a terribly soft penalty to Westmead, which they missed, yeah. but Jesus, that's not a penalty. No, it, it wasn't a penalty. They're actually either. trying their best not to foul him. No, no, and fairness, look, Davy Lynn's a nice fella as yeah, well. But I, I I got flashbacks to two thousand twelve all Ireland final. I said, Jeez, Davy Lynn and he gave nightmares over that. But um no, he gave a soft penalty and like you said, it was justified. I think myself that it was justified that it went over the bar, you know, because yeah what were the leash players meant to do they were standing up they weren't surrounding him they didn't jump in on him and David Lennon went down once he was in the box not saying David Lennon was diving he, uh, uh, look I'd, yeah, ho- half I'd be, diving I'd now, be I'd hoping say. my forward would do the same yeah, if yeah, matches yeah. in the jaws like that but 
the leash players I can can feel hard done by as well there. So look again, maybe he went to try and balance out the thing, but it, it was I was happy that it went over the bar in terms of the balance of the match. I don't think Leash deserved it for the, to go into the goal. Yeah, the um like interesting from Leash point of view, you look back at the last three games and you say a very very positive, mm. you know, beat Antrim, almost beat Waterford, which is an incredible performance, and then beat Westmead. Then you look back at the year in total and they achieved, which is the bare minimum, which they would have set out to, is to stay in the Joe McDonough, stay in Division 1. You know, Mm. like, I mean, how will they look back on that year? I I know Cheddar always talks about new management team, the whole restrictions, you know, Mm. they changed their game plan and it turned around better for them. So, you know, how did it look into next year? Like, what's a realistic target, do you think, for the the likes of Leash? Yeah, um, they started very slowly into the league and it's, it's, it's funny, you know, we're finishing kind of on a positive for Leash because they did, you know... Considering the way they play the league, they would be quite. They would be happy with these results because they picked it up, and it's not an easy thing to do. You know, the easiest thing to do in the world is just let the season drift off, and you know. But they did put in the effort, and they hurled quite well. Put up a great effort against Waterford as well. Um, but it's it, you know, it's funny how from the start of the league to where we are now. You know, Clare started off very poor. They were bet by Antrim, and we were sitting here talking about oh Clare. Yeah. Whereas at the moment. You know, they were one of the most exciting teams and and they had a great, well, no, had a very good year even considering the COVID cases and, yeah. you know, against Tipperary they, were, they would have felt hard done by. I think Leash would be the same. Leash would have felt, you know, they didn't start quick enough into the league and they left themselves with a lot of work to do. But in fairness, when that work came around, you know, they knuckled down and they got results. But I don't think it should be tinged with they have to be realistic, you know. They can't keep doing that. If you if you keep playing with fire like that, they are going to drift down and it's it's not a place they want to go. While they're up there, stay up there, stay competing. Um, it's a lot more hard work if you drift down to come back up to where you are instead of just maintaining it. So there is positives to take from Leafs, but all in all, considering the last few years they have, they won't be saying, it's a step back for them. It is a step back, you know. But they do have a lot of good players there. They have a lot of work they can do and there's a lot of positives to take but it's kind of a it's a mismatch of a year for them but I think they'll be happy enough that they finish on a positive note doing the best they could really and putting in a good performance against Waterford Yeah and they have obviously got a full year now maybe with less restrictions and less interruptions Mm. to work on whatever they need to do and you know Hopefully, I don't know, a couple of league wins maybe and not, not be in any relegation matches, I suppose, yeah, next year. is yeah, the, maybe yeah, keeping the, yourself out of relegation. Anything yeah. that does that consistently and keeps themselves out of relegation, you know, that's, that's, you don't want to be dicing with relegation. I know you'd experience it with the club and, you know, you don't want to put yourself in that position where you're playing with relegation and then you're waiting to get the response from a team to try and dig yourself out of it. And then you kind of have this little bit of a celebration that, yeah, we did our... Se-, but you're there going, don't put yourself in that position. You're a good enough team not to put yourself in that yeah, position. Yeah, exactly. All right, we'll leave it there and we'll come back and look at the two matches. All right, we'll start with the Waterford-Galway game, one thirty to 3.20. Um, like, I mean, you know, it's hard to know. Waterford were by far the better team here, yeah. and they almost got caught. Like, is yeah. it, it's almost like the All-Ireland final with Limerick and Galway, where that comeback came just a little bit too late. But if there was yeah. another five minutes in that game, yeah. Waterford would have been under pressure, even though they responded very well to both Flynn goals. Yeah, they did. And, and Galway were flat for an enormous amount of the game. They just didn't seem to know what they wanted to do. And even when Conor Leeson was sent off, you know, there was no response really from Galway. They didn't know what they wanted to do with the extra man. Um, and as well, even at that, you know, Watford, they took off at an enormous pace, had serious fire. But then, you know, after 20 minutes or right up to the water break, I think it was, you know, it was level pegging just about or there might have been just a point in it. So for all the hurling that Watford had done, 
there still was very little in it. So there was a perfect time for Galway to go in at the water break, come out and say, listen lads, we haven't hurled at all here and we're still, it's a, it's a draw match. But then afterwards, when Watford came out, I mean, they blitzed them. They hit blitzed them for them. six points on the, on, on the trot. The Jack Fagan goal then. And they created such a gap that you were saying there's no way. And now I'm, I'm beginning to think that there is no lead safe in hurling yeah. anymore. Maybe it goes back to a, the small ball or what people are saying, the lighter ball. But in fairness to Galway, they came back and it just shows that once Galway got a bit of fire into them and they started going at Waterford, suddenly they started to peg back the lead and the two Jason Flynn goals then really pegged it back and we're kind of looking at ourselves going, if you did this 10 minutes, even 10 minutes earlier, yeah. where would the game have been? You know, But at the big times in the match, you know, Stephen Bennett stepped up, Austin yeah. Leeson, who was very quiet at the start of the game, even you know he went for goal when he solo through, could have popped the ball off to Jack Fagan, made a few bad decisions. But what was great was when they needed him, he stepped up and got a few great scores. Um, great sideline cut as well when they got the six points on the hop he got a great sideline yeah. as well so Waterford in fairness to them even when Galway came back into it and they were man down they still got the important scores when they needed which is great sign for them but Waterford were absolutely electric and it was great to see them they were electric in that first half because it was 7 all, and then Waterford took off it was mm. like Kieran Bennett and Stephen Bennett came into it and yeah. Caleb Lyons came forward and Jamie Barron came into it and it's like mm. Jesus they just looked like they were younger fitter stronger and, you know, way more up for it than Galway. Well, they were pretty much straight, straight through the whole first half. Yeah, it's just yeah. they started getting, maybe not fouling as much. Galway were hanging yeah. in there just with fouls, but yeah. water for playing all the hurling. They were playing all the hurling. And something they've really zeroed in on is this support play off the shoulder. You know, there was yeah. balls coming out and Jamie Barron would get a ball. And there, there was a play there in the first half where I think it was Daisy Hutchinson came out and got the hook on the Galway player. And we saw it where... Uh, I think it was maybe, you know, it could have been Patrick Kerner or Jamie Barron got the ball and he saw he was coming into a, a tackle with a Galway lad. So he popped it off the shoulder without looking. He probably heard the call, but he had the runners off the shoulder. And then the next Waterford player, Jack Fagan or whoever it was, um, got the ball and there was another pop off the shoulder. I think it was Caelan yeah. Lyons ended up Kay- with a point. It was and then to Caelan Lyons. Yeah, but there. there was just, I was I was watching back and it was, there was just players doing loop and runs, loop and runs. Yeah. And they always seemed to have that. As soon as they got the ball, the player who initially won it was looking, who am I popping it to? And they just had runners, runners, runners yeah. off the shoulder. So like that was hard to deal with. But I, I think a huge part of the Waterford game was their their close touch. I mean, their, their first touch, the ball that was bouncing around, they had in, they were incredible getting the ball into their hand. And Desi Hutchinson deserves serious credit. There was balls going in where he, he was one on three at times with Galway defenders. But he was making the ball stick, which was brilliant. And yeah. I'd be saying it to players, you know, if, if my own club players or whoever, just make the ball stick in there now. Because what we're seeing is corner forwards traditionally were the players, you'd get the ball into him, get it into him low, win the ball over the bar. But now what we're seeing is it's nearly a case of getting the ball in, corner forwards are winning it, and it's the runners coming through are winning, the, are, are, are getting the scores, popping it off. Yeah. But Dizzy Hutchinson won that ball so many times, got it, and was running out the field, coming back out looking for his players. To and meet him, yeah. To meet him coming in. And he had him so many times, he had the runners off the shoulder. So Watford, from that point of view, I thought it was you know great admiration for him and what they were doing. But their first touch was just brilliant. And I think it got him out of a lot of trouble as well because the fact that they're making that first, first touch stick it was allowing them to, you know, they weren't dealing with scuffles on the ground. They weren't dealing with the physically bigger Galway team. They were getting the ball, popping it out, and they were gone. So Galway couldn't nail them down, couldn't hit them. Garod McInerney, Dahi Burke, they couldn't physically impose themselves on them. So yeah. I thought Watford were, were excellent in that, in, in that way. The Desi Hutchinson in on his own one is an interesting one because mm. Patrick Curran came out. We never really would have seen that. Well, all this year he's been coming on as a sub and maybe floating in and around. There are, everybody's kind of coming out the field. Shane Bennett's back in, in the halfback 
back line, Caelan Lines, two fellas who are practically forwards. Yeah. And they're all runners from the middle. Yeah. And Hutchinson's inside and he's been covered by a sweeper because every team now is leaving a centre back or something back, you know, covering, yeah. being cl- being clever. You don't want yeah. loads of space in front of Hutchinson. Mm. So now you have a two on one in there. Mm. But out the field, Waterford have an extra man. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, like yeah. Waterford playing with one extra man in the in the engine area. Yeah. Whereas Galway are wasting one on one. Whereas if Waterford yeah. played three inside, for example, you'd have one covering three. You can justify that. Yeah. But yeah. one covering one, it's a little bit of a, you know, you're, it's yeah, like yeah. Waterford are, are up a man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And where Waterford, you know, if Galway wanted to stop Waterford, you'd nearly be thinking, commit another man into the area where around this middle of the field where Waterford kind of have an extra man running through. And if you want, stifle it out, you know, physically kind of box them up. But they kind of didn't either. Yeah. You know, they kind of just left it in between. And the fact that Desi Hutchinson was winning balls, again, this this move as well of, of Dahi Burke out at, at centre-back and Garold back in Ernie, you know, I, I, I kind of can't understand it. I don't think it would have changed a whole lot. But Dahi Burke has been the best full-back over the last five years, you know. And him out at centre back he was getting on a lot of ball and he was hurling well but I think his command at the edge of the box was a thing that would also help the fact that if he's going to be a spare man maybe back there and directing backs around him because he is the best full back in the country and it's not just because of his hurling skill it's because of what he's able to do talking to backs and I think he would alleviate some of the problems there but yeah look I think Watford were having their cake and eating it really you know they, they were benefiting big time they were playing both games they wanted to do and Galway didn't really know what they wanted to do Yeah, they got Watford got uh, four from play from their half back line and five from play from midfield Yeah, yeah. that's huge huge like, I mean, yeah. that's, but that's in an area where they have an extra man yeah. you know what I mean yeah, it's in a yeah, gas yeah. really when you yeah. think it, like tactically tactically I think they were they were excellent there on that to do something like that they were yeah and like I would have marked Shane Bennett over the years he was an out and out corner forward for years and now he's at centre back and he's popping up with scores Kieran Bennett the same you know yeah. the three Bennett's were on the scoreboard um in the and first half Shane set the tone his first point was sensational he sensational. went to dummy it and brought it back and yeah, nearly got yeah. tripped up and stuck it over yeah. like because he was picked right half back for a league game but he ended up playing full forward yeah. and then I saw the Waterford team and I saw him at centre back and Austin Gleeson at full forward and went ah well there's the obvious switch yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean yeah, but maybe yeah, Galway yeah. got a bit of a little a shock from that and that's it and I think as well for teams going forward if you were looking at the Waterford team and you did see Stephen Bennett you don't know, or sorry, Shane, Shane Bennett. Bennett. You didn't know whether he's going to going forward. Is he going to start? Because he might just as easily. They might put him up midfield or half forward. And in, yeah. so I think if you're going out with a plan to try and man mark these lads or go, this is you don't know what way they're going to set yeah. up because they have so many lads who are probably traditionally forwards playing midfield and half back line, and they have the brain for scoring, they have the confidence for scoring as well. And Shane Bennett's point, like you said. That was a real forward score. That wasn't a back coming out with a ball. That was a confidence of a forward having a bit more space out the field. He'd be used to being boxed up a corner forward. Now he had a bit of space. He has the belief because he's he's used to scoring. So you have this launching pad now of him at centre-back coming up through the middle. And if there's a score on, he's well able to take it. Yeah. So it, it's an interesting dynamic. And it's something in fairness now for Liam Cal that, you know, it, it, you, ha- you have to give him great credit that he's gone with this. You know, because he's nearly almost taken out the traditional centre-back and said, you know what, I'm going to put in another fellow who's capable of scoring there, fellow who's capable of running, and just a really good hurler. Instead of having him on the bench because we have six good forwards, throw him in there centre-back and... It's, it's worked out brilliant. Yeah, it's worked out brilliant. Caleb Lyons, so we said, but there's not much more you can say about him. He's just the gazelle Caleb. up and down the side of that. He doesn't, he's, get, he's he doesn't so get tired. No, he doesn't get tired. And it's, <laughs> I'm looking at him, you're nearly getting annoyed looking at him. Because you're going, why aren't you getting tired? I'd be tired if I was doing what you were doing. But he just runs up and nearly every time you're saying, how don't teams see this coming? Yeah. He just runs up the line, gets it over yeah. the bar and he's back in position in, in 15, 30, yeah. 20 seconds. And they're not wasted runs because he's nearly always found. You know no. what I mean? Yeah. When he does go, they're always trying to trying to find him. Like, I mean, we talked last week on 
the show, I think it was on Thursday, about Davy Fitz's uh, record with Wexford. And we were trying to analyse, was it a good record or was it a bad record? He beat no Munster team. He beat Kilkenny twice. And, mm. you know, and like, he did draw with Galloway and drew with Dublin and beat Dublin anyways. But, like, I mean, you look at Liam Cal in two years. Davy was in Wexford for five years. Mm. Liam Cal in two years, coming off, I think it was two years without winning a championship match. It was some awful mm. record in Munster. He's now beaten Galloway, Kilkenny, Cork and Clare yeah. in two years. Yeah. It's phenomenal what that man's done with Waterford. Yeah, he's done a great job, you know, and everybody's kind of talking about him, really realising what he's done. Do you know, we saw him on the sideline at the weekend as well, and he was on fire. You know, he was shouting at players, and it seemed to look like as well, it wasn't a case of even when players were going well, he was still getting on to him, saying like, you know, if they missed one ball, even though they'd hurled well for 15, 20 minutes, he was getting on to him and he was shouting, that's not good enough, you know, and yeah. he seems to have instilled a real fire into these lads and when he took it over, look, a lot of lads were kind of saying, you know, there's lads moving on here, Park man, he's getting older and these lads and, you know, you have Austin Leeson, you have Tyg de Burka, but who do you have around him? And he's brought in, like, I mean, Jack Fagan, he's brought him in from Meath, essentially, like, you know, and made one of the best half forwards in the country out of him. Caleb Lyons, I would have felt very hard done by for an all-star last year, but exploded onto the scene. Yeah. And he seems to have options all over the place, but I would put it down to Liam Cal has created these options for himself. These yeah. were by no means givens. Like, I mean, Shane Bennett stepped away from the panel for a bit. Now he's back in yeah. and it's like he was never away. And he's played know. the two years without without uh, Parik Amatini and mm. Tyg de Burka for a lot of this year rather than yeah. two years. Like, I mean, they're two of the most important players for, for Waterford. He's never complained about it. He's no. got them on. He has them beaten Galway. Yeah, he has them beaten Galway. Like, and if you look as well, Stephen Bennett. Stephen Bennett... He's did, transformed, was, yeah. Did, I, I don't think he even played. He was an unused sub in the All-Ireland final in yeah. 2017, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And, you know, he was an unused sub. And at the moment, if you were to talk of probably the top five, six forwards in the country of consistency, of free-taking, he's exceptional free-taker. You know, he, very, he missed one, I think, at the weekend. But he very rarely misses pops up with big points and is is a commanding role now at centre forward. He didn't play in the All-Ireland final a few years ago. So Liam Cowell has kind of really looked at these players, looked at the raw material he has and went, where can I use these and where can I get the best out? And he is getting the best out of them, which is brilliant. Um, and where he's pulled lads in from, again, Desi Hutchinson, a lad who's off playing soccer for a few years, saw what he's good at and is really using them really well. So Liam Cowell deserves a lot of credit. And I think Tipperary you know, in the next few years we'll be looking going, we need to get this fella back into Tipperary. By no means saying anything about Liam Sheedy, but, you know, in a few years if Tipperary are looking for a manager, there's only one person they're oh, looking yeah. for, it's Liam Cal. And impressively, he didn't clap Waterford in off the off the pitch at half time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he took a note. That didn't go too well last <laughs> It didn't week. work out too well, no. No, no. Um, definitely not. Like, where do Galloway go from here? Like, I mean, is this yeah. soft Galloway back again? Like, I mean, the, the reality, like, well, I'll throw that to you. Is this the soft Galloway back again? I was disappointed in Galloway. I, I, I'll be honest, I was delighted. I was about to put up uh, I nearly put up a tweet before the game's calling it which is always a risky game <laughs> to do yeah. and I said I'd put down I was expecting a Galway win and a Clare win Just, and I think that's kind of a lot of what people were expecting I expected Galway after the Dublin performance there'd be a sting in the tail because I've been in that position with teams where you've went out and you were flat like they yeah. weren't at the pitch of the game against Dublin but you're busting for the next match going jeez we're going to write this wrong now and like you know that we sold ourselves short in that match so that's what I thought Galway were going to do and I couldn't get over it. They just didn't. They were flatter again than they were against Dublin. And it's almost like they just said, they accepted that, oh, you know, we weren't in Leinster final, so now we have a really long path to the All-Ireland final. I could be wrong, but it seemed to be the attitude and that Shane O'Neill couldn't get the best out of them again. And they didn't seem to know what they were about the weekend at all. So, yeah. unfortunately for Galway, you know, the narrative over a few years would have been this this thing which of, you know, is it Galway, you know, maybe shying away from the battle. They didn't for the last 10 minutes, but that's not good enough. It's 70 minutes of hurling you're looking to play. So, unfortunately for Galway, I expected them 
to explode out of the traps and really put on a performance that we saw in the league where they knew what they were about. They just seemed like the team, the only team that would be able to put it up to Limerick. Yeah. And it's amazing in the space of a few weeks. They look like a completely different team. Yeah. A completely Con- different team. And Cannon gone completely off the boil and he was making them tick a little bit, you know, mm. like as the game changed for them, like it did one and all around they were a big long a long kind of ball team mm. not you know modern long but yeah. like I mean going long big uh, you know fetching half forward like are they a bit slow for a Waterford you know mm. or they've they, they've got good skill yeah. but they're bigger slower like we talk a lot about Tipperary and when is it, when is that transition going to come yeah what, like is are Galway looking to be in that boat as well where some of these lads need to be moved on they need a three or four young fast mm. Caleb Lyons type fellas to give them that energy yeah well this is it I suppose first of all Galway want to look at and say well what what are we about what do we want to play now in fairness they were joint league champions so they hurled through a league performing really well and it looked like the style they were playing was a good That's style the Walsh Cup league now but it was you know, a summer league, really. Yeah. You know, and I mean, they were playing during a, a summer where they were performing on dry. It wasn't a big boggy pitch they were yeah, playing yeah. on. So I was looking at it, and even we saw Cahill Mannion, you know, and you know, like you said, Brian Concannon, they were flying it. We, I thought this is the old Galway are in a great position yeah. here. So I don't think over the space of a few weeks they can just write off everything they have done. Whatever they were doing, it was going well for them. But whatever they transferred into the championship, they, they seem to now at the moment have one style of playing. And like you said, it's the long ball. But when it gets into Turles, and, you know, unfortunately for the likes of Conor Whelan, you know, Conor Whelan has performed well for them and got up with a few scores, but um, I don't think it's enough to have one player really consistently from play putting his hand up, trying to get scores. And like you said, Watford were flooding back as well. They have the legs to flood back, so if you are bombing balls down on top of Conor Whelan or whoever's in there, all Watford have to do is break it. And you have Jamie Barron back there picking up a ball, and which we saw at the weekend, he picked one ball up in his own box, picking up a ball, popping it out, and that long ball then becomes a dead ball. And now what do you do? So they need to have a plan B. And like you said, they have big physical players. But the problem with that is you have to carry that muscle around the pitch, like, you know, yeah. and you have to move. And when the you, weather doesn't suit them? Like, is that, would that be a reason why they're so flat? It's hard to... It, it's, it, big men no. aren't going to get around the field, you know, in yeah. that kind of conditions. It, look, it is. it certainly is a factor, but... I don't think it's enough of a factor to say that that's right. the only reason. You know, I mean, it's the same for Watford. Like, they have the same conditions to play under. Ah, they're, they're, but they're 11 stone like myself. They're, they're, they're <laughs> <laughs> well, are you able to cover that they're, ground? <laughs> they're all young, but they all, yeah, to me, all yeah. look like, you know, they're... they're it's like certainly they're, more suitable. They're lighter, smaller, lighter yeah. team that looks like, I mean, Jamie Barron had run through the desert. Yeah, yeah. Look, again, it certainly is more suitable to have players like that who are, are able to cover the ground, but... Look, I still go again. I don't think it's enough for Galway to hide behind that and say, oh, the weather didn't suit us and, you know, whatever. It, like, at the end of the day, they reined in, um, what was it, a 14, 15? Yeah, late that. in the game. Yeah. So they showed they were able to do it, but it was just too late. I think it was more the guts of it. They just, when it was put up against them, they didn't really know what they wanted to do and they, the fight wasn't there and the fight came a bit too late and that was it. Yeah, that was probably... Liam Cowell said after the game, and he's probably right, he said, the players showed great character, a team of lesser quality or heart could have easily gone under and I'm thinking the three points after Jason Flynn's first goal to push it back out to six and then when he got his second goal to get it to three Stephen Bennett scored a screamer from the sideline yeah, um, yeah. to put four in it now you know the, mm. the panic can relax slightly now there's four you know it's yeah, a goal and a yeah. point to draw it yeah and that's it and you know it's nearly a thing at the moment while they're showing the replays it was a great goal but we missed the puck out nearly because uh, because of the goal and yeah. they panned back to it and it was just I, th- I think he won it uh, he caught it you know it was a long ball down and he caught it and put it over from the sideline again I think that shows what Watford are at at the moment it's not just a case of they're playing well but then when it's put up against them what do they do they do have players at the moment who are putting hands up saying I'll get a go- uh, I'll get a score 
it was a very important score yeah. that Stephen Bennett got and I think it just shows the mindset of the Watford players at the moment they're up for the battle and that's probably what we're talking about Galway that Galway weren't up for the battle at the weekend Watford are up for it and it's a great sign I think Watford could be you know pushing for an, uh, like an All-Ireland final position at this stage because they're showing that even when it's put up against them they're pushing back and they're saying no problem we have one uh, and we're still forgetting that they had one player they were down a player at this stage yeah. but they still stepped up and said right no excuses get the ball over the bar and they have players performing all over the pitch so if I was a Watford fan at the moment I'd be extremely proud of the Watford team at the weekend even though the, the lead was reined in they still turned around and said right lads we're still up by three or four points here let's push it back out again and so they did even after the two Jason Flynn goals so look at when they needed to they performed and that's a great I wouldn't be too concerned about losing the lead by that much they, they had leaders when they needed them uh, Last one on this because we'll talk about Jason Flynn in performance of the weekend the Cahill Mannion goal like mm. is that is that a mistake by Sean O'Brien should he be stopping that I know Mannion's great off his left hand side but he's a good yeah. bit out there He was a good bit out it just seemed that Cahill Mannion he was caught a bit flat footed Cahill Mannion struck it maybe a little earlier or maybe a little later than the keeper was expecting so he just seemed to get caught unawares. It would be one that you'd expect him to stop, but I think Mannion was just clever in how he struck it. And he struck it low as well. Again, we're talking... He hit the ground one. too. Yeah, he struck it low, do you know. So Mannion was clever with it. Mannion's a sweet striker of a ball as well. So in fairness to him, yeah, it was a 50-50 one. He could have got to it, but I think Mannion was very clever with how he struck it. It was the timing of it, I think he did. Like, he threw it up and just slapped it. Um, great strike of a ball, kept it low, did all the things you'd ask a forward to do, you know, gave it a chance, and yeah. that's all you wanted. So do. maybe he, maybe the goalie wasn't even expecting a shot there. Could have been a point it. he was yeah. expecting. Yeah. What about the other one? Cork three nineteen, Clare one twenty three. Is it fair to say the best team lost here? Uh, yeah, well, in terms or could of Cork have had three or four more goals and won it easier. Well, I think Clare can Clare can be um, can can you know be very critical of themselves. They hit a lot of wides. I think they had a dozen wides by the fiftieth minute, and there were these wides that I'd be snapping if I was on a, a team that were striking from the sideline off the back foot. Now, I'll, I'll say this: everyone bar Tony Kelly. I'll take Tony Kelly yeah, out of this equation because if Tony to. Kelly Tony Kelly's allowed to do it, but it seemed to be that they were taking these shots where they were at the sideline and. At a time where they needed to steady the ship a small bit, you know, at different times during the match, they seem to take these shots that were a little bit, you know, if they're great if they go over, those ones, great if they go over. But if you hit them wide, Cork are going, brilliant lads, let them stay out there. You're not building any confidence by doing this. Let yeah. them stay out there, take these shots. Um, so the fact that they had 12 wides, I don't know how many wides they finished up with in the end, I think it was up around 16 mark. But, you know, Clare can be very, you know, have to be critical of themselves there that they, they could have won it because of that. Never mind Tony Kelly's heroics. But individually, Clare had a few more performances all over the pitch. I think it was it was nearly hard to pick out a Cork performance that was outstanding. That was it, yeah. You know? I, I'm looking through performance at the weekend and I can't think of any other than Jack O'Connor. And he was yeah. wasteful with he those He was fleeting so, as well. There was yeah, times yeah. where he came into it and Couldn't exploded. Couldn't think of any Cork yeah. player that was outstanding. No, no. And, and Seamus Harnaby. Won. They still won. Um, and maybe that's a sign of a good team that they yeah. had a good overall team performance and they used the ball well and maybe we're not as wasteful as Clare. But like the likes of Seamus Harnady it was the first time I've kind of seen him in the last while of the old Seamus Harnady that we would see that's electric and is capable of doing great things. And he, he, you know, he stepped up. He stepped up big time because, again, he, he's been missing a few performances over the last few years. But he performed really well, which I thought was, was great to see for Cork. And Cork in general, they were just a bit steadier than Clare. Whatever shots they got, they used it really well. They seemed to be a small bit more composed on the ball. Um, and maybe, again, it shows a bit better of a team performance that if they... 
they didn't have as many individual standout performances but it is a strange one because it's very hard to pick out one fella that we thought was very good like Jack O'Connor was, was great and he got the few goals I couldn't get over his pace but then he was sent off as well for oh, yeah. he only got one goal like he could have got I sorry could... yeah the next one went into the side net and yeah. it was the one goal he got yeah but he I think maybe two minutes afterwards was back in on goal and um, you know a great save out of Clare goalkeeper but he was, he he stuck the next one into the side net and he came in yeah. from the left hand side and electric pace but then I think it was maybe he got a flick or a player player got a flick on the ball but he showed fleet and signs of it but again was in and out of the match you know got a ball showed great speed but then he was maybe missing for five or ten minutes you know so very hard for a Cork team to pick out one outstanding performance the, his first goal like I mean he burned Rory Hayes and Hayes is a very fast player like yeah. I thought his main quality is that he's a speed demon himself and yeah. uh, Jack Connor took him a walk, go around the outside Yeah. now he shouldn't be scoring a goal from there should you someone like I mm. saw John Conlon got across too late yeah, yeah. and the chance the goal was already in there now, I know John Conlon was marking Kingston a lot more he was doing a lot more marking than sweeping yeah. but at the same time when Jack O'Connor got that ball mm. can't be a goal on there the man goal yeah. side of him and him you know collected it out near the wing and then headed the long way around it the long way around yeah yeah. you'd be expecting a flick maybe we're seeing the the benefits of, of the, the penalty situation now maybe like you know traditionally before maybe he would have went in and just fouled him and pulled him down and got on with it. But um, in fairness, look, Jack O'Connor shortened up the grip and I, I think he knew the angle was tough. He kept it high. He kept the shot high and I think just whipped it at the goal and said, look, it, sure, it is a tough angle, but hit it high, put a small bit of curl on it there or something and give it a chance that the keeper mightn't get a hurl to it. And the fact he was so close to the keeper as well, you know, Patrick Collins didn't have much of a chance really there as well. It was It, it flashed by him. So like we said, similar enough to Tony Kelly probably hitting it hip height and not giving it a chance Jack O'Connor did the opposite he struck at head height or sorry overhead height at least and said look I'm going to try and roof this give myself some sort of a chance so look he it was a hard work goal by no means was there a goal on when he took it on but um, I, I think it shows what he's capable of doing that he he has savage speed Yeah so Claire, like I mean Clare were five down got it back to a draw Clare, Clare were the better team in the second half you'd mm. say but like I mean then I keep thinking like I don't know, like the crowd got behind Claire and you were thinking, geez, you literally start rooting for Claire at that stage because, you know, yeah. they were they were come back and they were real, Tony Kelly was all over it. But then Cork did get three goals. Jack O'Connor missed two and Harnady, like we said, hit it in the ground or got slightly hooked. It was a yeah. great goal chance. Like Cork could have had six goals. They could have, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. They had the opportunities and Claire were a small bit flat at the back there at times. I thought, you know, they weren't, they were they were striking off the back foot a small bit where we've seen Claire over the last few weeks of driving out with the ball. Now, they've played a few weeks on the trot though as well, so it's, it, yeah. it can be tough, but they they seem to be a small bit off the pace or even a small bit off the pitch of the game at the start. And the backs were coming out, they were striking quite a few long balls as well and, you know, they were striking balls from midfield and did, again, Claire as a whole drifted in and out of the game and, like you said, you found yourself kind of rooting for Claire at times because they were doing quite heroic stuff and Tony yeah. Kelly's heroics kind of felt you, you know, you gravitate towards this kind of heroics and you're like, oh, yeah, wouldn't yeah, this yeah. be brilliant? And you nearly want the fairy tale story to happen. Whereas Cork were just kind of going through playing steady the whole way through and like you said, they created six goal chances and, you know, could have really killed off the game um, a small bit more. So it's hard to say. On on one side, you'd look and you'd think Clare were the better team. But then when you look in the balance, you know... It's hard to figure it out. It's really, hard to figure it out. Yeah. Cork probably just did a few things that small bit better, took their chances, created a few more chances. Okay, there was no one outstanding. But 
you'd rather win playing not great or looking great than lose playing fantastic, you know, yeah. or looking heroic. And another way of looking, wasn't it? Cooney had a great chance to sub for Clare and then Barrett went down and scored, which was a huge swing in it. And then you think yeah. the Tony Kelly goal chance and there's two goal chances Clare missed as well. So yeah, like, I mean, yeah. it's a tough one to analyse that game who it was, yeah, was, yeah. was going better in it. Like, I mean, obviously Cork had got more of an impact off the bench. In fairness, Clare don't, get, don't have anything really off the bench, I don't think, yeah. you know. Yeah, like, yeah. Cork have, the, Cork have those options and they got one two off the bench from Connolly and Barrett yeah they do and that's the thing they do have the few more options and we're seeing it at the moment the effectiveness of subs over the last few weeks maybe again with the intensity of playing week on week and different things but subs are huge they're always important but they're hugely important at the moment that they can maybe when you see a player just kind of waning and small bit on the pitch the weather's getting to him he's after bursting you know bursting the gut there for 40-50 minutes to have those players to come on and that actually have an impact when they come onto the pitch I mean again we talked about it with Wexford and Kilkenny in the Leinster semi-final Wexford didn't use their bench a whole lot whereas Kilkenny really used it so I think in the match of the weekend Cork had those one or two players off and it was like you know we're talking about it here that it was very fine margins that Cork actually came out of this game with a win um, so the fact that their subs played a role and maybe Clare didn't have as much off the bench and again even the likes of Ian Galvin didn't have a great game whereas he could if he popped up with the same amount of scores that he initially started off with in the Tipperary match yeah. it could have changed the game again so Cork's, Cork's bench I think you know deserves a bit of credit here they came on and, and they had the impact Um so look credit to Cork there they do have the, f- the few more options there to bring off the bench the, the, the Barrett goal should have put it to bed mm. um, but it didn't because Tony got that penalty and then should have won it which is, is absolutely incredible Brian mm. Lowen said after the game he said we've got uh, exceptional is the word here he says we've got exceptional guys there as a supporter when I was looking at them you'd be very proud of them they're exceptional guys and when you go in to work with them you even have more regard for them really exceptional guys to do everything <laughs> and produce big performances which they generally do I think Clare have a lot more supporters after this year mm. than and, than a lot of other years because Lone is a gentleman on the line yeah. like there's no messing out of him today it's just congratulations to Cork whatever yeah, yeah. Um, you have the, a team that you know have a good first 15 they're missing a few lads the bench isn't great and they're heroics in every game yeah. and they're guaranteed a performance out of them they have a, a nice style about them they're very easy to like yeah, and yeah. with a lot of the shit going on with Clare and you know mm. their bad start to the league you, you know it's nice yeah, to yeah. see that isn't it? It is, it is yeah they're a very likeable team now at the moment as well because they have no there seems to be kind of no airs or graces about them and considering where they started off this year there was all this talk of turmoil in, in Clare and I'd be quite sceptical of you know whatever is going on I often say with, with with county teams it's always when you're you know when you're not going great I think stories get inflated a small bit, you know, but they had to deal with that, you know, and then they had the, the, the situation of losing against Antrim. They had the COVID cases, whether they were COVID cases or not. Then yeah. they had to deal with, you know, the Tipperary game. But at all times, I think Brian Lowen deserves a lot of credit as well because he's weathered this storm. He's put John Conlon at centre back. He's produced really great performances. They've been brilliant to watch. Um, but it's kind of galvanised them, really, if anything. No pun intended because they have two Galvins in the team, but it's kind of galvanised them like that. They've really come out and stood up and performed really well. But when things went against them, they haven't bitched or moaned or they haven't said anything. Brian Lowen has just said, look, that's the way it is. We move yeah. on. And they're not looking for sympathy. They're looking to just go, well, look, didn't work out for us. And because I suppose as well, Brian Lowen has this thing of being one of the greatest, if not the greatest full back of all time, this heroic man. But seems to be quite humble. I don't know the man, but seems to be quite humble and just gets on with it. And I, I think 
any some other managers might give out that these decisions went against us, but he doesn't seem to say that. And yeah. he held it back well after the tip penalty. All right, in fairness to him, he I thought he exploded. That day. He deserves savage credit, you know, because I mean, that any was other, performance of the year that that interview. was performance <laughs> restraint of the year as Brian Lawn. So look, they're great. It's no consolation to him, but they're a great team, very likable, and they had a great year and fair play to him. Yeah, no, team. exactly. Last word on Cork, because we haven't been too complimentary from Cork. Like, I mean, Kieran Kingston said before the game, there was a lot of uncertainty coming into it from our point of view, and we're apprehensive as to know how it, how it would work. And, mm. you know, one game is all they've had. Clare had three. Mm. You know, Clare, well battle hardened, a very good team. Yeah. And Cork came in and, like, handled them. Yeah, you yeah, know, they and they're coming out of the game with very little credit. It's hard to understand, you know. Yeah, like I mean, yeah. they've they've du- they've Dublin now. And, oh yeah, they're Dublin now in the next game. Like they'll be well in well yeah. into the mix. And Croke Park would suit their suit their style of play. Yeah, that's it. And uh, look, I suppose the thing we're looking at Cork going forward. When I was looking at the first half of Cork at the weekend, it was kind of this traditional Cork that we, we'd be used to seeing. The, you know, they're playing with a bit of abandonment uh, or abandonment, and they were just going at it, and they were just saying, look, you know. We're going to play this game. We're going to go at it. We haven't had as many games, but they, you know, they played Limerick, and you know, they went hard at beating Limerick. Okay, Limerick were Limerick, and they just pushed it out. But in a way, when you saw it, Limerick did the tip. Cork yeah, exactly. Gave it to Limerick plenty in that game, and there's no one talking about Cork at the no. moment. Now they're they're going to be playing against Dublin. The one thing I think about Cork is that it's kind of easy for them to get up for Limerick and all this stuff. The one thing I'm saying is they go in against Dublin here now, and that they don't perform. They're capable of beating Dublin, doing a really good performance, but. They're also capable of being a thing we've seen with Cork over the last few years is going in a small bit flat into the game yeah. thinking that we've performed well in the last few games and we've beaten Clare so if we go out and do the same thing now again and they come flat into the yeah. match and Dublin will be up for Cork you know so We just it, don't trust Cork yet We can't trust them yet yeah. that's that's the small thing but they're capable now of they're in a good position you know they got you know people would maybe look at Dublin they're not the easier draw but people would look and say maybe that's the better draw but again Dublin have four players to come back into the panel that they didn't have for the last day so um, look Cork will want to perform well Dublin will be up for it but it's still I think the jury is out on Cork at the moment you know which I think they'll be happy enough with it as well they're coming yeah. in under the radar yeah no they definitely are right we'll leave it there and we'll come back with performance of the weekend All right, performance of the weekend, uh, Paul. And the first one is Jamie Barron. I'm tired. There's not much more we can say about Jamie Barron. Like, I mean, yeah. four points uh, from play. The sidestep, he's so elusive. You can't tackle him because you can't get near him. Yeah. And he's his accuracy is off, of is often underrated because yeah. when do you see him hitting a wide? Yeah. When he does get a chance. Yeah, and he's yeah. back helping the backs and he's linking everything. And if you wonder, like, they had the flat performance against Clare. Yeah. Who was missing? Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I, I had to laugh, actually. I watched the Sunday game last night and Derek McGrath did a small bit on Jamie Barron. And obviously, he was being very complimentary. But one of the highlights, as you're saying, of an area to improve on, I think this shows how good he is. He showed a, a block of ground that Jamie Barron struck a ball for a point and he showed a block of ground that he could have put it in front of Daisy Hutchinson. But the ball he struck went over the bar. So he was saying, why <laughs> he went over the bar? So, I mean, if the worst thing you can say about a player is that he can improve his ball distribution, but the balls he's putting in are over the bar, that's a very good player, you know. But his energy is incredible. Um, you know, I was talking to someone his from... His sidestep. Yeah, his sidestep. He's, he's very elusive. And he just has this extra yard that we always talk about, even though, you know... Uh, he has great pacing he's great he gets the ball and his head is up straight away he knows who's in front of him and he just creates this bit of space and he just runs with the head up you know hurls with the head up has the ball looking around constantly and again very selfless with the ball always looks to, he links the play for Watford he he links the forwards and the backs and he's always running and supporting 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 but 
He's a, he's like this N'Golo Kante of something of hurling. He just yeah. covers ground. He picked up a ball in his own six yard, um, in the old in, in his own box at one stage. But he's also you'd see him then up the far end in a minute in a minute's time. He's up supporting the corner forwards, getting the ball, and just there's just no end to him. There's just no end to him. So he's an incredible player. Like I mean, he's one of the best players this generation. There's no doubt about it. And like you said, great, just great midfielder. Pops up with his four points big four points to pick up with but he just kind of drifts through gets a ball puts it over the bar not fist pumping goes back yeah. out into the position very unassuming very isn't unassuming it? and that's something sometimes players can not get the credit for that they're not these marquee players because they're not doing these things of cutting sidelines over from 60 yards or fist pumping when they get a point he just goes about his business and does everything exceptionally well so yeah incredible player that's it because if I suppose he doesn't have the profile he deserves really because he mm. is for me there's not another midfielder He's three all stars. Yeah, yeah, he's been at the very top of his game for a long time now. Like yeah. he, he, he needs to get more assuming. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> because he's, he's huge. Like he's just, a, he's just the perfect midfielder. He is, and he's he's played corner back and corner forward. Like I've marked him a corner forward over the years. I didn't and remember that. When was that? I, 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 I heard that during the match in the that he's played corner back. Yeah. They, well, they've just tried him there a few times. I think like between different managements, they've kind of moved him around because you see what kind of a player. Kind he of is. a manager will put Jamie Barron corner back. He didn't last corner long. back. <laughs> <laughs> On the only for bad lads corner back <laughs> but uh, no like I think over the years maybe when they've had a bit of confidence of where they're going to play players to try and say well maybe we'll put him back here he might, like I'd say he's the kind of player who just performs well wherever you put him but yeah. midfield is a funny position that if you have a, a lad playing well at the backs it's usually because he's catching high balls or he's coming out with these balls or if a lad's playing well in the forwards he's getting scores or whatever but if you're playing well at midfield it's usually more so you're linking up with players and you're, drop, you're dropping back picking up balls for the half-back line, popping them off and you're going supporting again. So it's a very unassuming role in midfield. Yeah. Like we had McFinley doing it for years there and a lot of it was breaking up play and getting a ball and popping off. Jamie Barron does this really well and I think for, if you're a, a neutral Hurling follower and you just watch Hurling, Jamie Barron isn't someone you pick up straight away but if you're someone who watches Hurling and you understand the importance of a midfielder who knows where to position himself, knows how to get back, pick up a ball and then just use it really well. And it's not glamorous stuff. It's just popping it off and then running again, find the next pass, link another player up. Yeah. If you're a hurling person, you see it. But I suppose sometimes the marquee players are the players who translate over to people who don't really watch hurling. They watch hurling every so often and go, that's a great skill. Yeah, yeah. But the skill that Jamie Barron has of linking players up, it's probably one of the hardest skills in the game to be able to position yourself around the pitch know when to go, know when not to go, know when to sit back, know when to move. That's what he does and probably the best person in the game to do it at the moment. Yeah, no, he definitely is and he's perfect for a running game to link all that because that's what he's best at. Peter Hogan talking about midfielders, like, mm. I mean, Jesus, he's definitely someone I've seen corner forward but I haven't yeah. seen him play in a midfield. He's loads of energy. It looks yeah. like he loved it out there. Like, the Damien Hayes is the obvious one I think of when I think of that. Um, a Cha Fitzpatrick is another yeah. obvious one. This kind of trans transformation yeah. from a corner forward into a midfielder yeah. and a new lease of life and yeah. brains and you know great skill or else you're not a corner forward if you don't have great skill yeah. I was surprised at his work rate and his energy yeah again it's it, it, it's like you said this new lease of life where you bring a player out and obviously his great skills so obviously he was doing a great job at corner forward but sometimes you know these players show signs of like Cha maybe the game changes and you know you bring a player out because they can get that small bit more room even like the likes of Richie would have done it with us plays in corner forward but then you want to give him a bit more space and, and, and more importantly is capable of hurling once they give that bit of space so yeah he's again and he's another fella who's unassuming again like you know other players were maybe taking the headlines but got through a huge amount of play as well so yeah like again another revelation at midfield yeah no he definitely was um, Jason Flynn he mm. scored 2-1 in brought on in the 57th minute mm. now Jason Flynn is brilliant mm. so like I mean 
I'm sure you've marked Jason Flynn before. Yeah. How brilliant is he? And why is he not able to make a team? Like, I mean, it, I'll say it. It has to be in between his ears. Yeah, I don't know. I've, I've met Jason Flynn a few times. He's a, he's a really nice fella. And I would have... I've marked Jason Flynn a few times and I think, you know, was it around 2015? I think he had a really good year because we played them in the final and he was one of the fellas we were looking at going because I think he was nominated for an All-Star. He might have won one that year, I can't remember, but he was flying it now that year. He has savage hurling in him and he's a great athlete. But I remember through the years, look, he's come on, maybe when he's younger, he's come on, come off the bench and I would have been in cornerback and, you know, they might be taking off Damien Hayes or someone and bringing on Jason Finn. You're going, oh, Jesus Christ, this is the fellow they're bringing on. You here's know, another problem. Yeah. yeah, here's another problem. But what, what he's brilliant at is he makes these looping runs. You know, he's not a player that he's capable of winning the ball out of the sky and brilliant, all these things. But what he's exceptional at is a ball might land down at half forward and he makes a run out from corner forward and loops around and picks up the ball and now he's looping around and he's, he's kind of lost the defender. He's brilliant at that and creating right. space for himself. But sometimes, look, he when he starts games, he doesn't seem to come into it too well. And unfortunately, he's in this position of he reacts well when he comes off the bench. If yeah. there's give him a compliment, he reacts well when he comes off the bench. But for a player who wants to start, that's not where you want to be. If you If a manager sees you as a player who reacts well coming off the bench and you throw you into a game when the game is opened up and you get 2-1, coming on at the 50, 57th minute. You know, unfortunately, you're putting yourself in a position there where that's the way a manager might see you. So, look, Jason Flynn, he's capable of starting. He's a player I think Galway would like, Galway people would like to see starting a bit more, but I think he has to prove why he should be starting instead of coming off the bench a bit more. Or do you think, like, sometimes I wonder about a player like him, like, I mean, you know, you're a sober long time, then you start a game. There's a lot of pressure on him. I, mm. Like, what if manager said to me said to him, I'm giving you three games mm. or I'm giving you the entire league this year. Yeah. I don't want you to put yourself up because I think this psychological, whatever yeah. it is with yeah. Jason Flynn, when he get and I'm not blaming managers because when he does get a chance to start, he often doesn't do it. Yeah, yeah. But then he's dropped again. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, Jesus Christ, like, I mean, you know, give him, put the arm around him, say, you're an exceptional hurler. Yeah. I want you as my number 14 and I'm going to give you every league game. Yeah, yeah. Don't feel under too much pressure now, you know. Yeah, yeah. Play your way into the game. You don't have to do everything the first day, etc. You know, and yeah, yeah, yeah. come into it maybe. And I don't know. There has yeah. to be a way of getting the best out of this fella. And that's the thing. And players tick differently. Like for one player, that might work. But for another player, you might have to say to him, I'm not saying this is Jason Flynn, but for another player, you might have said to him, listen, you're getting 40 minutes. And condense the time down and say, at 40 <laughs> minutes, unless you've given me a reason, you're coming off and that's it. And it, it, that comes down to man management. You have to know what makes this player tick. Yeah, Why does yeah. he come on and react? Is it because he's calling the, the manager a bollocks for not starting him? If that's what it is, well, then you know you're dealing with... Put it with, up to him. Yeah, you're dealing with a player that yeah, needs to be yeah. put it up to yeah, him. You yeah. said to him, listen, you're better than this. Some other players, it's like the Liam Sheedy that we saw a few against Tipperary at the half time. Which match was it? The Clare match. Yeah. Where he put the arm around Noel McGrath or he put the arm around Bubbles and then he hit Seamus Callan in the chest. You have to know the players that you're dealing with. And maybe some players are a bit timid or some players... Were, but you need to know that, okay, this is a player, suss him out and maybe put the pressure on him in a league match. And if he reacts to it, go, okay, that's he's reacted. He's react that's what I have to do with this player. Yeah, yeah. So maybe put it up to him and say, Listen, I'm giving you forty minutes. Should give me a reason that you shouldn't come off after forty minutes and you'll stay on and let him build his confidence from there. Not saying that's Jason Flynn, but you certainly have to do something there with him. Yeah, no, I get you. I get you. Like I mean, Tony Kelly, there's not we can't say any more about Tony Kelly, but like I mean I don't know. Like, he, there's an argument to be made that he's the best player that's ever played the game. When yeah. you look, at, when you look at everything he can do, yeah. And then you, you know, you look at Patrick Horgan, you look at Joe Canning. Like, there's nobody as good as him in the game at the moment. No, there's no one. He's like I was thinking of it during the week. He's almost like a freelance hurler. You know, wherever you play him, he's the best at playing all over the pitch yeah. in in the country. And he just plays. He just runs off and he's just galloping around the pitch. But what I was laughing at, and I'll actually tell you a story about Tony Kelly, was you forget he's 27. He seems like he's been around so long. And I saw someone put it up on Twitter during the week that, you know, he's 
27 and we've, we everything has been said about Tony Kelly that needs to be said but he was like he was young hurler of the year and he was hurler of the year when he was 19 I think it was maybe yeah. 18 probably 19 but um, he was on the All-Star trip in 2013 we went to Shanghai and obviously it was full of Clare players because they'd won the All-Ireland but at that time I remember thinking of Tony Kelly you'd seen him on the pitch and you're thinking this is a fair strong man he's a bit but you'd forget he was 19 at the time and he's 27 now but we were in Shanghai at the time and you know you'd go and you do these few different things you go to an Irish pub and a, a fella from Carlow might have an Irish pub and you go there and you go on to the next place and um, we're all having a great night and we had a few drinks or whatever and myself and uh, Errol Hanyan and Cyril Donnan were sharing a taxi across Shanghai and you know everyone was looking around at the lights and you were driving along and a, a taxi passed us and Tony Kelly was in the back seat and he we lo- we just looked across and he was looking at the lights at Shanghai and it was like a fellow who'd never been out to Clare before. He was like <laughs> looking and the gob was open on him and we looked at him. He looked like a fellow who was about 15 years of age doing his, le- his junior cert or something. Yeah, yeah. But this was a fellow that we were looking at going, he's the hurler of the year and he's 19 years of age. And I remember there was kind of a silence in the taxi <laughs> and Cyril Donnan just let, said, looked at him and said, Jesus Christ, that fellow's 19. He's only a chap, you know. And we were thinking at the time, like where is this fella going to go and I, I what I thought during the week was if you put this fella if you put no offence to Clare but if you put him in the current Limerick team I think it would only excel him even more again because he's just exceptional he is an exceptional talent and to be honest you're nearly tired of talking about him because he's what's more to say about him I mean he's just he is the best all around player I think at the moment in, in Hurling yeah, like we said, uh, are we giving nobody from Cork a nomination here? <laughs> it's, t- it's tough. Look, there's been great performances over the weekend, but it's tough for... There was no one I don't think overly that, stood out in Cork. I don't think they'd be too worried. They're into the next round. I don't think they're too worried about <laughs> what, what we're saying about Cork at the moment. No, no, they're all right. Okay, I'm going to give... Like, uh, PJ Scully from Leach scored 17 points, which yeah. is absolutely incredible. I think it's yeah. a record in, in the National League from a Leash player um, yeah. to score that. Scored sidelines, scored, I think he got four from play. Yeah. Like, I mean, an excellent performance. Ross King got an, an outstanding goal, a great ball from uh, Chad Dwyer, caught it into an empty net. He got two yeah. incredible points as well. They were just kind of two performances that stood out for me from Leash. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, 17 points from PJ Scully, it's, it's, that's incredible scoring, regardless what way it came. But he chipped in, you know, to have a free taker putting balls over, but also he got a few from play. But 17 points for one contribution from one player, thats I mean, that's exceptional going. Um, Ross King's goal again, yeah. What I really liked about it was, you know, he was going in, he had the Westmead keeper coming out and he had his man marker, but you could just see he kept his eye on the ball the whole way and he kind of committed that, sure, look, if I'm going to get a clatter, I'll get a clatter, but I'll take a chance that the ball will fall in. And sure, by the time he landed, he was nearly in the net. Yeah, you know, yeah. so it was a great goal just because he did the basics so well with it. And like this was actually, that was actually a great match, you know, and it was a pity that it wasn't more of it on the Sunday game because Westmead went ahead by I think it was six points and Leash ran them in but um, their individual performances then do you know the few lads that popped up with with, with big scores um, but yeah no PJ Scully it was, it was a great performance and 17 points a pity he didn't get more of a mention really on the Sunday game but um, he won't be too disappointed with that he was a great individual performance yeah no it definitely was uh, Chad Dwyer was very good as well just from, from he, he deserves a mention he got three from play um, and was kind of an all action as usual mm. from him I, the performance of the weekend has to go to Tony Kelly it's between Tony Kelly and Jamie Barron really and Tony Kelly probably for the heroics um, just, an, just an incredible can you think of any player from any other county that can do what like I know Austin Gleeson is a talisman and he can score four from play five mm. from play he's just he, he'll get a point from a stand I don't know how mm. to describe it Tony Kelly the points he gets yeah, they're the yeah. most inspirational points you could they're like Roy of the Rovers points and then yeah. the one that he wasn't sure um, 
oh, I think he was blown, O'Leary fouled him and it was let let the play go on. Yeah. And yeah. there was a pause for three or four seconds until yeah. the referee said, go on, we'll allow the advantage. And then he yeah. turned to the crowd and yeah, he gave, yeah. like he's got all that, he's got the most yeah. inspirational type of all action. Yeah. God, there's not much more you can say about and, it, is there? And it's not a what I like about it as well. It's not a bullshit inspirational stuff. No, like, in, no. Only like, after he turned to the crowd, point. it was a fist pump. And like, yeah, he had been outstanding for the whole game, so he deserved to be. You know, it, it wasn't a case that he was out of the game for half an hour, got a point, and then was suddenly, you know, he was single-handedly at times keeping Claire in the game. And it was the fact that his attitude that he didn't give up, like no more than for the sideline, that he played the whistle, and more than even when the whistle was blown for the one with O'Leary, he still went and knocked over a point and turned to the referee saying that was going over the yeah, bar. Yeah. It just, he was in a mind frame where he was just going, I'm going through a brick wall here now. And that's the way he kind of hurls. But again, even to look at him when he's playing, he just has this run about him, running around the pitch, savage energy. But he seems to just have a yard on two our players. And he gets a ball and he just has great belief that he's going to put this ball over the bar. And he has a great way about him. You know, he he's does. very likeable as well. So and I don't think there's not, you, you'll go very far. I'd, I'd actually I'd tell you, I wouldn't trust somebody who said they didn't like Tony <laughs> Kelly. I'll put it that way. There'd be something wrong with them, yeah. <laughs> so I think that's Tony Kelly's 100 official performance of the weekend. It's really boring <laughs> given <year>. to a <laughs> Right, we'll leave it there, uh, Paul. We'll be back on Thursday. We'll preview the two All-Ireland quarterfinals um, and maybe do a bit on the Christy Ring as well. We'll talk to you then. Good luck. No such thing as a media ban. We don't have a media ban. Ah, you do? No, we don't. A donkey eat and a donkey eat a palace. <laughs> There's nothing else to eat. He was massive. <laughs> Legs, ass, belt. But I burst out laughing watching <laughs> <laughs>